Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safin Sighting Nothing But Facts live stream on a sunny and warm Thursday in, well, is it warm? It's getting pretty cool. It's getting pretty nippy. Not nippy, I would say, but it's not t-shirt weather anymore and it's pretty warm out. But it's not as warm in Texas where we have a guest here. And you notice there's a lot of Dallas in the room these days. A lot of Dallas is coming in the room. And we're going to Texas. A whole bunch of us. We're heading to Texas. You know about that? Last weekend of October. Yeah. Huh? Oh, we were taking a flight. You So we'll send you the tickets and you match the same flight. You come with us. Yeah. And wherever we stay, we just stay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Khairun uh, Nusaj, Muhammad ibn Ismail ibn Samurra. Why is he called Khairun Nusaj? Because he went to the Hajj, and he took a Kufa and said Khair. Man's walking a Hajj. Everything is normal. He exits the gate of Kufa. Okay? Or sorry, the, en- the, the, en- the entrance to Kufa. And you remember cities used to be walled cities and there were doors, gates, usually eight or 12 gates or less than that or more than that. So he enters one of the gates of Kufa. All of a sudden, a man takes him, grabs him, says, you're my slave now. Okay? And your name is Khair. What? How are you making me my slave? All right. He was black. Okay. So he and and he didn't argue with him. وَاسْتَعْمَلَهُ الرَّجُلُ فِي نَسْخِ الْخَزِ نَسْجِ الْخَزِ And the man made him make a khaz, which is a type of like jewelry. What is a khaz the best way to translate khaz? Is it a jewelry or? Let's look what else khaz. Is it cloth? You graduated Darlalum. Which Darlalum was it? Azizia and they didn't... It's. It seems to me it's like a mix of silk inside a wool. Like a cloth. You, you looked it up? Yeah. So he made him do that. And the the verb for that, or the the the, uh, uh, it's uh, a nes a nesj. Okay. Fi nesjil khaz. Right. Thumatarakahu rajul. Then the man just left him. Waqala lahu. Ghalitu. Lasta bi abdi wala anta khair. He said, Subhanallah. You're not who I thought you were. I thought you were my slave khair, but you're not him. After a period of time. So he sort of just submitted to this guy who said, All right, you're, you're my slave now. And after a while, the man says, uh, No, you, you, I thought you were somebody that you're not. He said, I will not change a, a beautiful name that a Muslim gave to me. You can have as many names as you want, by the way. And you own your name. You own your name. Anybody, any adult 
wants to change his name or add to his name, you can do that. So some of people, they don't like the name that they're given because nobody can pronounce it, for example. So you don't have to change your name. You can just add to your name. And you're allowed to have as many names as you want. Okay? As many names as you want. So that's why he became called Khairun Nusaj. Okay? And so he became, he, that name became stuck to him. He became friends with uh, Abu Hamza al-Baghdadi. And he became friends with Sari al-Saqati and kept his company. All right. Uh, and he lived 120 years. All right. And Ash-Shibli and Abu Ali al-Khawas, they were youth when he was an older man. And they made Toba in his circle. You always have to ask yourself, in whose circle did I make Toba? For example, I was just living a regular life. Then I came upon a group of people in a masjid or one person even. And that changed my ways. You always have to remember that person. Remember, person has a lot of fuddle and a lot of reward. And always people remember, my first teacher. Who was my first teacher? Like that. Sometimes you, you, you know stuff and you've been taught your dean, but you don't have a teacher per se. So you always got to remember who that first teacher is and remember them in your dua. That's, uh, that's all it is. You don't owe them anything more than you owe them dua. Okay. And just because someone's your teacher doesn't mean they're better than you. They just did something for you that you didn't do for them. So you have to make it up for them with dua. All right. And then anything that you do good after that, they are stockholders in your benefit. Right? They're stockholders in anything that you, in your deeds. They have stock in your deed. If you go, if you're the first teacher for somebody and you teach them, like, for example, the fundamentals, and he builds from there. So that's the original generation of stock, right? When when company goes public, the first group that has stock, their stock is going to be the biggest. It's going to keep dividing and dividing and dividing as time goes on. He then says here about him that, uh, he at that near the end of his life, he was the sheikh of all these people. He was viewed as the biggest of the shoe. Okay. Okay. Fear is the whip. Like when you whip a horse and you move it in the right direction. All right, fear. That fear, that feeling is the whip of the soul. In that, it makes you move. So every time you go off the road and you get hit, well, off the road, you would fall off a cliff. So it's hitting you if you if we talk to you, oh, move back on the road and you don't listen, right? Then, well, we have to now put some pain in your side so that you associate going off the road with some pain and you come back. Someone who pains you and hit and gives you that amount of pain is actually doing you a great service. Because what's worse, a little hit with a stick or falling off a cliff? And that's what khawf is all about. That's why the Arifin say Jahannam is a favor for the Muslims. For the believer, it's a favor. It's a favor, right? It's uh, the existence of Jahannam. Not going into Jahannam, of course, but uh, the existence of Jahannam, it's a, you guys should see the look that, sorry, it's uh, yeah, the, the existence and the thought 
of going to Jahannam, you're doing me a favor. Because many people are too, and this is atheists always say, oh, we only do the good for the good's sake. You guys only do it because you're afraid. You don't even do good. You're all perverted, right? What good do you do? You define yourself the easiest thing in the world and say, I'm good. Like my, my old Catholic friends, they said they fast Lent, right? And you're like, oh, you got Ramadan? We got Lent. Oh, really? And they say, ours is 40 days. Yours is only 30 days. So I was like, what do you do in Lent? We give up our favorite foods. That may be useful in the old days when there are three different foods, right? <laughs> Lamb, dates, water. But, well, so what do you give up? Orange juice. What did you give up? Hershey's chocolate. That's, so you get it to eat everything else. Yeah, but I give up my favorite food. Or, huh? Yeah. Basically, what what did you give up? So uh, they used to say that they got this stuff. So atheists, what they do is they, they define the good in the, like a little bubble, right? Like, what is good? Oh, give charity. So wait, wait a second. How about not committing adultery? How are you going to motivate anybody? There's not a single rational human being. If you had made adultery with the eye, with the hand, with whatever, if you made it halal, Nobody would not do it except the one who fails at doing it, right? And now with the internet and AI and all these websites and all this trash and just sex workers, everyone would do it, right? Everyone can do it. Iblis has made it so that everyone could commit zina, okay? Everyone can do it and will do it except for the fear of a higher punishment, right? There's not a single atheist who avoids this stuff. Alcohol, drugs, gambling, oppression. All these things. So what is, so you have defined the good in such a fuzzy way. What is it being nice? Oh, don't be a jerk. Right? There, go look at all the atheist philosophers, okay? And they have a thing, atheists behaving badly. Because the top seven atheist philosophers, they're all sexual deviants and perverts. So what are you talking about being good? Yes, hellfire and fear is needed. It's a necessity to scare you away from certain things that biologically we are created like magnets to it. But we're not people, we're not a creature who is allowed or is it satisfactory for us to follow our natures. We have to rise above some natures. Okay, we ha That's the difference between animals and humans. Humans, follow your nature. But their nature is good. The, he, animals don't go around doing zina, right? Animals just breed when they have to. In, and the way that they breed, like the populations are always steady. If you notice, the populations tend to be steady. If you have enough, the population of wolves to deer is going to always balance it out. Deer to trees, because, tr you know, they'll eat leaves off all the trees, right? Uh, so it's always like steady. Why? Because they only cohabit, you know, when it's needed. When they're feeling the heat, right? They go cohabit and it's done with. The ram cohabits for two days a year. That's it. For two days a year, he does all his cohabitation, the, the, the mountain rams. You don't see the rams going and cohabiting all day and all night for the enjoyment of it. No, they don't do that. So, so that's why they can follow their nature. Their nature does not harm anybody, right? doesn't harm the female deers. What are the, what's the female deer called? A doe? You guys just study the sound of music or something? <laughs> Right? How did you guys know that so quickly? Uh, but <laughs> what's that? Yes. <laughs> so uh, that's that's why animals can follow their nature. 
Their nature is beneficial to the creation. Our nature, it's a, a train wreck. If we followed our nafs, it's a train, absolute train wreck. Did you guys see the new statue that's going on in, uh, that they're putting up in California? Now, California needs to be cut out, okay, from the map, right? Can you manually earthquake these people into the Pacific Ocean, get them far away from us, right? Because California, thou, I can't even say it on the podcast what the statue looks like. It's meant to commemorate AIDS, right? And look, it's meant to commemorate AIDS, essentially, okay? I don't even know. These people learn something else, man. Seriously, they got issues. Okay, seriously, they need a vet to. Ju- I, t- I told the person who's only they need a vet to just put them down. You know, like when your cat's just euthanized. <laughs> euthanized, adultized too. You know, when, when, when you have a cat that's just vomiting everywhere and it's defecating and it has, it ha- it's got dementia now, it doesn't go to the cat litter anymore, it has diarrhea everywhere, vomit, it's diarrhea everywhere in the house. The, the cat's lived its life, okay? The cat's lived its life, and it needs to go out to pasture, right? So you send it to the state. The state will just put it down or do what it does. Look, just look, 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 look. Look at the the statue. This is what the statue looks like, okay? Can you see it? You can't. Look, this is what the statue looks like. Can't see it. Okay? And they're like, wait a second. Uh, AIDS, gay men, huh? AIDS and gay men, and you are putting basically something is terribly, terribly, terribly wrong with the system program, right? Uh, The hard drive, whatever it's called, the CPU is infected with a severe disease. And they're like, guys, what body part are we putting up here? They're saying, no, it's the concentric circles of life. No, it's not. That is a body part. That's not a concentric circles of life at all. Right? So when you are so sick in the head that at all times, all you can think about, literally all you can think about is this kind of shar. Okay? You have a terrible, terrible problem. Okay? And they need to be, you know, no offense or anything, but when human beings start being like, at what point do you say... This khalq is now, uh, uh, this creation is now uh, more negative than good. Something's wrong. So, al-khawf will move us from temptations. Fear will move you from temptation. Okay? Qala Abu al-Husayn al-Maliki. Abu al-Husayn al-Maliki. Sa'altu min hadra mawt khayran nusaj an I asked from Hadramaut about Khairun Nusaj. Wow, I'm mad at you from Hadramaut. Fakala Lama Hadar to Mautahu and the Salat in Maghrib. Okay. Rushia Alehi Lama Hadarat Hadar to Mautahu. I don't know what the Arab is. We're going to have to see. When I attended his death, like at his deathbed, it was around Maghrib time. Rushia Alehi, he fainted. Then he opened his eyes. And he turned to the direction of the house. He said, Stand up. You are a slave who has commands. And I'm a slave that has commands. I guess, for Salah. 
وَمَا أُمِرْتَ بِهِ لَا يَفُوتُكَ وَمَا أُمِرْتُ بِهِ يَفُوتُنِي Okay. And what has been commanded for me I'll, will never miss me. My rizq. And what I'm commanded to do, I can't leave it off. So basically, do your job. Don't worry about what Allah's promised you. You just fulfill your end of the bargain because you know Allah Ta'ala will fulfill His promises. Okay? Alright. Look, at the end of his life, it's the fundamentals. Salah. That's it. Okay? So he made wudu and he prayed. Then he laid down, shut his eyes, recited the shahada, and died. He was seen in a vision. What has Allah done with you? He was asked, what has Allah done with you? Don't ask me about this. Don't ask me. Don't even, I can't speak, begin to speak about what Allah has done for me. However, I'm all, I can tell you that I'm in complete relief from this lower world. You ever feel nostalgia about the dunya? Like, uh, like, subhanAllah, this are, these are great days and they're passing. And you feel this nostalgia like, it's almost like you want to grab it. The past is passing, you want to grab it. Or memories and you want to grab them, right? Or you look at pictures and you're like, where did those days go? And you want to almost grab them and hug them almost, right? But it seems to be that every time one of the awliya dies, anyone who dies does not have any nostalgia for the dunya. Because where you're going is so much more better and more permanent. And what you would have nostalgia for, you do have it in the akhirah, which is your relationships. So what do you have nostalgia for? The beauty of the world? That world is more beautiful. You have nostalgia for relationships. And you wish like those innocent relationships and those good friendships would last forever. I wish I could put them in a bottle and have them forever. You will have them forever. That's why nobody who dies and comes back to the people of the dunya in a dream, they just are they're happy they're gone. Not because, you know, the, of anything except that everything that you wished for to keep here is there. So there's no reason to have nostalgia for the past. And some people have a, uh, a, a I would say even maybe you could call it a disease of nostalgia, and they become rat packs, pack rats, right? They, they, they keep everything. Everything. Oh, this receipt was from that trip. Oh, the, the plane ticket, right? From the trip. Oh, the ticket from the game. Right? My dad took me to the game. Let's keep the ticket. Everything. It's almost like you want to trap something that it's sand going disappearing. But you don't have to worry about that because everything will be kept. When you die, you have everything. All the memories will stay, be vivid, and you can even look at it. According to the Day of Judgment, your whole life is shown to you, Right? And you could look at it and remember the days of the dunya as much as you want. But ultimately, good, a good life will beget for you a good akhirah, a good day of judgment. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone about what you were talking about, nostalgia. And they told me that the people who are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mm-hmm. they've seen this consistently that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as they get older, mm-hmm. turn this man like that. Uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start taking away those things away from them. Meaning, mm. so for example, 
they went to a high school. Yeah. Uh, I know someone who uh, was a very pious, who was a very pious person. Uh, you would say he's, you know, someone who maybe was nostalgic at one point. That high school is being torn down, so he doesn't even have a place mm, to go visit. Subhanallah. The, the town where he grew up, yeah. things are shutting down. And I so there's one Muslim family I know yeah. in that particular area. Everything, they were the most pious people. Subhanallah. I spoke to them. They said, yeah, it's so strange. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala slowly started taking away all yeah. the things that would actually want us to go back to that place ever again to visit. Yeah. Sometimes it's not, sometimes a nostalgia is a, that would harm you, something that would harm you, right? It's a nostalgia for a place that would harm you if you, if you were, uh, your attachment to it is not, or it would just stunt your development, It'd be not good for you. So uh, that's why nostalgia after a while, it's, it's, it's only good if it's only good in remembering the good deeds that were done as a way to inspire continuation and good deeds doesn't mean good actions, but it means also good relationships. Like those are great relationships and, but you shouldn't see, feel sad about it. Because it's preserved, right? All good relationships are preserved and they come back to you in a form of reward in the akhirah between you and that person. Really? Expression of gratitude. Alhamdulillah, those were great days. We, uh, we were in ta'a. Because ta'a, uh, being in the, in, your or, in the right orbit, like everything has an orbit, right? And humans have an orbit. We have an orbit too. If you're in the orbit, you should be happy about those days. We were in our orbit. All that is going to come back to us on the Day of Judgment. We're going to be happy about it because we're going to see an infinite reward. Next one is you have Abu Muhammad Jafar ibn Muhammad ibn Nasr. Who is he and what is his story? Okay. He was from Baghdad. And he was from the companion of Junaid al-Sadiq. All right. Famous Junaid al-Sadiq. And he died in Baghdad. So... Born and raised, born and died in Baghdad. He said, لا يجد العبد لذة المعاملة مع الله تعالى مع لذة النفس لأن أهل الحقائق قطعوا العلاقة التي تقطعهم عن الحق قبل أن تقطعهم العلاقة. They said that indulging in the nafs and experiencing the sweetness of divine connection never come together. Because in order for them to experience divine connection, they had to cut off the attachments of the nafs. All right. Or the way he put it, all attachments that disrupt their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Ma'rifa. The concept of ma'rifa is spiritual experience. That person who is doing a lot of dhikr and dua and ibadah and being very, we should say, in their orbit, you can say. Right. Uh, it has a certain vibe to it. It has a certain taste to it. It has a certain sakina to it. Stillness. It has a certain sweetness to it. Now you do something and you lose some of that sweetness. It got disrupted. I, I lost it. What happened? What happened? So you start thinking. So you start me- self-medicating. Maybe I looked at this. I listened to this. I talked about this. Maybe I backbited somebody. Maybe I disrespected somebody. I wasted time doing this, that, and other. So you start medicating yourself and doing a very commonsensical cause and effect, right? Cause and effect. Simple as that, right? A guy who runs, and I've experienced this too. If you actually stay sugar-free, truly sugar-free, breads and white sugars, chocolate, all that, for like a period of time. I remember I did this. 
Then there was a football game with some high schoolers. A football game in a park with some high schoolers. I was torching these kids. They were like panting, right? And I was like making runs that at the end of the run, I know I'm going to be be sore, but I wasn't. I attributed that to the absence of the sugar. No, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's my attribution. When I went back to sugar, started getting sores again, right? Couldn't do the same thing. So when you start, you, all human beings, they make these commonsensical, these cause and effect. It's like self-medication. And he says here that the awliya Allah and the people of Allah, they are in a state with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their dhikr and ibadah and their wakefulness and their sleep and everything. If it gets enhanced, they ask what enhanced it. If they if it decreases, they ask what decreased it. And that's what we call spiritual experience. Spiritual experience does not mean like miracles and stuff. It doesn't have to be that. It just means I know myself. I'm in a great, I feel in a, I'm in a great state right now. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Why is it gone? Simple as that. All the fitness people do the same thing. All Everyone at work and school and business, if your numbers start going down, why did it go down? Nothing just happens. Like I, Einstein said something. He said, God doesn't play dice. It's true. Everything has a reason. Otherwise, we'd go crazy. Where there's an effect, there is a cause. The only one that exists without a cause is Allah himself. He's the absolute. He necessarily exists, right? But everything else that has, it's an effect. It has to have a cause. So if all our numbers, our sales are going this way, and suddenly they went this way, what's the cause? Maybe woke advertisement, right? All of a sudden, no, that would actually be like this. Right. tanked completely you see Budweiser's Bud's latest NFL ads it's all like a bunch of uh, you know blue collar people watching football back to the old thing right no woke transgender people so everything has to have a cause if your weight gain all of a sudden is going up there's a cause there's a habit that you may have picked up it doesn't be one meal it's not going to be one meal it's a habit that you picked up over the last few months or the opposite is the case so that's where this is how spirituality happens. So you have to have a positive spirituality that is based upon r regular amounts of remembrance of Allah. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it has to be regular. It has to be mustamir, consistent. Then you will develop your own spiritual state. And you'll recognize the difference. People know when they're advancing and they're getting better. Okay? Uh... Now you're going to know when you get worse. When start, things start going down, you're going to feel it. There's something happened. Okay? Sometimes in the beginning, you're very sensitive to these things. But you just don't know because you don't have a lot of experience. And people may make one mistake that sets them back a long time. Like disrespecting Ahlul Bayt, disrespecting a Wali, arrogance, kibr. It may be you stepped on one thing that set you back a long way. Because you're new, you're, you're a rookie, you're... You're just a novice and you just made a bad mistake. Doesn't mean you're not, it's not forgivable, but it's a bad mistake. Okay. So that's basically something that he's talking about here. We have to be very, very observant of our states. And there is no state. A person does not have a state at all unless they have consistency on remembrance. Dhikrullah is the fastest route. Okay. The fastest route of a regular person having a spiritual state is the remembrance of Allah regularly. He says here, إِنَّمَا بَيْنَ الْعَبْدِ وَالْوُجُودِ أَنْ تَسْكُنَ التَّقْوَى قَلْبَهُ 
between you and having a spiritual state is that taqwa becomes a resident in your home. Okay? It's a resident uh, in your heart. In your heart. It's a resident of your heart. Taqwa. Taqwa is, I am afraid to disobey Allah Ta'ala. Something bad is going to happen to my state. Okay? فَإِذَا سَكَنَتْ أَتَّقْوَى قَلْبَهُ نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِ بَرَكَاتُ الْعِلْمِ The first thing that happens, okay, is that the knowledge that we're studying, when taqwa enters your heart, the knowledge that you're studying begins to bear fruit. It begins to be shiny. Whereas a heart that's filled with darkness, they can read the same knowledge you're reading, but it doesn't shine. Right, so like you, you open the book. I'm telling you, these ulama, these muttaqin, they open the book, whatever book they open, it's like shining. It hits, it touches. They see the relevance of it. They see the importance of it. The barakah, the blessing of it, come out. But if your heart is dark and filled with sins, you just see words on paper. Second thing that happens, zalat anhu dunya. All the distraction from Allah goes away from his heart. He no longer has any distractions from Allah Taala. Okay, next one is Askar and Naqshabi. Did we do him last week? He says, Oh, we, we did read this one, yes, last week. So let's move on to Ibrahim and Nasr Abadi. And who Abu Qasim, Ibrahim ibn Muhammad and Nasr Abadi. And he died 979 of the common era, 369 of the Hijri era. He was a sheikh of Khurasan in his time. Sahib al-Dilfu shibli Aba Ali al-Rudhabari. Okay. And he went to Mecca and he lived there for some period of time. And he was a scholar of hadith. He had much, many, many hadith. He knew many hadith. وَقَالَ إِذَا بَدَ لَكَ شَيْءٌ مِنْ بَوَادِيَ الْحَقِّ If a Reality of the truth manifests to you. فَلَا تَلْتَفِتْ مَعَهَا إِلَى جَنَّةٍ أَوْ نَارٍ Okay. فَإِذَا رَجَعَتَ عَنْ تِلْكَ الْحَالِ فَعَظِمَ مَا عَظَمَ فَعَظِمْ مَا عَظَمَهُ اللَّهِ Okay. So if you are in a great spiritual state and some truths become manifest to you and really some mukashafat come to you, then they will go away. Don't despair. Just aggrandize what Allah has aggrandized. So people when go to Umrah, they have amazing spiritual states, right? Amazing things happen to them. And it's like they're in another world. Then they come back, they get a bit down and depressed. What's the solution? Just aggrandize what Allah has aggrandized, right? Masajid, Salah and Jama'ah, memorize Quran, doing dhikr, etc., etc. Bir al-Walidain is a good one. وَقِيلَ لَهُ إِنَّ بَعْضَ النَّاسِ يُجَالِسُونَ النِّسَاءِ Some people keep the company of women. وَيَقُولُونَ نَحْنُ مَعْصُومُونَ فِي رُؤْيَتِهِنْ We can look at women because we're immune. فَقَالَ مَا دَامَتَ الْأَشْبَعُ بَاقِيَةٌ فَإِنَّ الْأَمْرَ وَالنَّهِ بَاقٍ He says, as long as you are in a body, the commands and prohibitions apply to you. So you cannot say, oh, I can sit. It's just my cousin. I can sit with her. It's no problem. No. He says, beware of, be wary of that. As long as you have a body, you have to fulfill halal and haram. 
Right. Who will do the shubuhat? What is a shubuha? There, the Prophet said, Halal is clear, haram is clear. Some things Allah remains silent on. In another hadith, He called them mutashabihat. Mushtabihat. Okay. Mushtabihat. Yeah. Most people don't know the rulings, which means some people do know the rulings. Okay. All right. So this here, um, I wonder what the uh, Abu Hanifa would say about that because he doesn't say by mafum uh, al-mukhalifa, right? So what does he say about that? He, does he restrict mafum al-mukhalifa always or just not as law? Okay, so you all know what mafhum al-mukhalifa means is understanding by the opposite. So if the Prophet said, most people don't know about it, the gray area. They don't know what is halal and haram from the gray area, right? If the Prophet says, most people don't know, what does that mean? Some people do know. A minority of people do know, which is the scholars. So point being is, in one hadith, the Prophet said, Allah has commanded obligations, forbade prohibitions, and remained silent on some matters out of wisdom, not forgetfulness. In another hadith, that's the one that's in the 40 Nawi, he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that halal is clear, haram is clear, and between them are gray matters. Mushtabih. It's mixed. We don't know if it's halal or haram. Most people don't know about it. The majority of people do not know the rulings, which means some people do know the rulings. So most of the ulama, when something... so doesn't mean all the ulama know about these matters. They could still be gray areas to some people. Big scholar, but to them it's a gray area. They don't have a ruling on it. The best of scholars are the ones who say, I don't know. So, saying I don't know is half of knowledge. Okay? So, what is the ruling on it? If it's, you don't know if it's halal or haram, you stay away from it. Okay? It's a gray area. A gray area could also be something that we know the ruling, but we don't know the specific. Okay, so I know the ruling on what's halal meat versus haram meat. But that person right there, their behavior is mixed. I don't know whether to trust him or not, right? I don't know whether he's trustworthy or not. His trustworthiness is in question. So I stay away from that butcher shop, right? That's like an example of a specific, you, you know the ruling, but you don't know that, that specific application for it. So what the, the sheikh is saying here is that only somebody who willingly does the haram will easily do the mutashabih or the mushtabih. All right? The shubuhat. Okay. Man ta'arrama man lan yajtari ala shubuhati illa man ta'arrada al-muharramati. Only someone who exposes himself to the haram all the time will easily do shubuhat. Why is that? Because your scale now, your perspective, your com contrast is skewed. Someone who regularly goes into certain clubs and districts and areas filled with haram around him, he might not do it, but he goes there. It's in his peripheral vision. All the time it's in his peripheral vision. Okay? Now you have some gray matter Okay, that's nothing in comparison. So psychologically, oh, it's not a big deal. 
And that's that, that's that's the example of somebody. That's why context and environment is so important. If you keep your context pure, right? If your home is always clean, then one wrapper out of place on the ground, okay, is dirtiness. I got to clean that up. But if the entire home is regularly dirty, right, then one wrapper on the ground, it's nothing. Context. You go in any American street right now, any American suburban street, like where you live, where I live, where you all live. If I'm walking and I see a Lay's potato chips bag on the street and I'm taking a walk, that's a community discussion. (laughs) Neighborhood watch has to what the heck are we turning? Are we going that route in life? Right. But you go to, if you were in Cairo or Karachi and you saw one of, if you, and you saw 10 Lay's paper bags, you say, someone cleaned up, (laughs) right? (laughs) You say, what happened here? Did we hire like the Germans to come clean up our country or something? Because we don't clean. You know, the Egyptians, Alexandria, one time they hired the the, the new mayor of Alexandria at one point. He said, we're going to clean up the city. Okay. He couldn't hire any Egyptians to work. Nobody wants to clean because nobody wants to say my son is a cleaner, right? Or my husband's a cleaner. No one signed up. So what did he do? He took the same budget and he contacted the French company. Fly them in, put them in hotels to clean up our streets. Okay? French company worked for two weeks. And they're like, we're getting nowhere. As soon as we take the garbage, you're, you, the people throw more garbage. And they quit the job. Right? Alhamdulillah. And that people wonder why, man, this, the habit is not there of cleanliness. So, qala aslu tasawwuf mulazamatul kitabi wa sunnah. The root, the foundation of tasawwuf is holding on firmly to the book and the sunnah. Wa tarkul ahwa'i wal bid'ah. Leaving off the innovative groups, the bid'ah and the ahwa'i. Modernists in our world, liberals, progressives, racialists, okay. Uh, and in the old school world, and they still exist, of course, is the Shia. It's not the, the raging fitna is not the Shia. They're just like a fixed group now, right? The raging fitna is the progressives and the liberal Muslims, right? In, Amer- in the United States, at least. That's the raging fitna, I would say. You know, people who don't have an appreciation... Um, of their own deen and have now subjugated it to modern liberal humanism and secularism and progressivism. So that's what they honor, right? And so they subjugate their deen to that. Of course, the old lines are still there. I don't hold that they're they're not there or that they're irrelevant because there's something worse, right? If there's a snake over here, okay, and a scorpion over there, nobody will say, well, forget the scorpion. We got a snake to deal with. No, you really sort of have to just deal with both. But this will get 70% of my attention. This will get 30% of my attention. It's it's a nice feeling. Oh, you know, we got bigger fish to fry. So let's just hug everybody and love everybody. Why? Because you don't want the hardship. You're lazy. You don't want the, the awkwardness or the hardship of having to know how to deal with different groups. And why? That there is a right and there is a wrong. Okay. There is right and wrong in everything. In vegetarianism, there's orthodoxy and there's heresy. 
Go to vegetarian, any vegetarian group of people say, I'm a vegetarian. I just eat steak once a month, right? But that's my vegetarianism. No, you're not a real vegetarian. They will cancel you. They'll remove you. They'll, you will not speak at their events. You will not be their friends. You will not go to vegan restaurants with them. They will not invite you, right, uh, to do these things. There is orthodoxy in, ve- in vegetarianism. Right then, the like uh, the diehards of vegetarians become vegans. They have a mutual respect. Okay, you guys, it's almost like all right, you're just like the Juma Muslims, right? And then there is the people who are actually putting effort. That's how they view it, right? All right, you're a vegetarian. We respect that. Like that's your level, right? Vegans are work above and beyond. Cheese, eggs, nothing like that, right? So there is a right way to do everything, even. Stuff that is man made up and not good and not natural. These people are not natural. Their faces don't look good. Their skin does not look good, right? They all have a similar gaunt look. Like I need to inject some, I need to highlight and add some pink, right? <laughs> I, I need to highlight this color right here. I need to right click on this guy, select color, and I need to go to the color tab and get pink. And drag some pink into this person because it's so pale and so gaunt. Turning green. Oh yeah, you're <laughs> no the, nowadays with the tofu, they're just turning like pasty white with the tofu. But anyway, um, <laughs> but point being, in Islam, there is a right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. There is a limit. Okay, the limit is what is explicit in the religion and repeated. That's the ha- the marker, the line for what is a Muslim and what is not. We, we also call that known in religion by necessity. If you negate what is known in religion by necessity, you're not a Muslim. Why? Someone who comes into Islam and he says, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. He comes in with a conception of what Islam is, right? That's how he came in. So if you now break that and you go against that, you're not a Muslim. So someone says, La ilaha illallah Rasulullah, but we don't pray five times a day. There's no such thing as prayer. Sorry, you're not a Muslim, right? No matter how many times you say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So you negated what is known in religion by necessity. The actual definition of Islam. Then you go into uh, the right way to do Islam. Now there's another layer of words of God and His Prophet. That is explicit, but it's not off-repeated. You would need to have read a little bit. But it's explicit. There's no discussion that this is part of our religion. So in that case, if you, if you negate that, then we have to say about you, you are a Muslim, but you're not doing it right. We call that an innovator. Your deeds will not count in Islam. Okay, unless you do it, you, you believe in these things. So I believe in all these things I, in, that are known in religion by necessity, but I don't believe in the companions, for example. No, no, they're not all good people who are trustworthy people or something like that. Uh, something that is explicit in the religion. I don't necessarily believe the prophets buried in Medina, right? I don't believe the Kaaba. I believe in Kaaba. I believe in Hajj, but it may not be there. It could have been maybe three miles away, right? So these things are known, or they're 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 uh, known by necessity for people who study, okay, and they're explicit. Or that the prophet did not do Isra and Miraj, uh, the night journey, the meeting of the prophets. That was all a dream. So you're an innovator at that point. Or that everything's preordained and predestined. I don't believe any of that stuff. Okay, you're an innovator. So the innovator at that point, this is what he's saying here. So we can we have to know how to deal with them, and and there is, like, 
concentric circles, as Yasser Qadi likes to put it, concentric circles of interaction. Okay, you can deal with an innovator in certain ways. Your dentist can be an innovator, no problem. Your surgeon can be an innovator, right? You can wave at your neighbor if they're an innovator, right? As a neighbor, right? Um, can you like become their best friend? Can you marry them? No, it's forbidden, right? Why? Because now the influence is going to be there. They're going to influence you. They influence your kids, and it's too close. It's hard to discern. Unlike a Christian, we could say, son, you know, this is your aunt. She's a Christian, right? That's her thing. It's very clear, the, the, the differentiation. Whereas these innovators, they're too close. It's almost like too close for comfort. It's going to confuse everybody. It's going to harm the group. So there are rules on how to deal with them. People who say, listen, we got bigger fish to fry. Let's just forget all the bygones be bygones. Let's just forget all that. Are you lazy? Right? You just don't want to have to deal with this that's the approach right because it's not the right approach and it's this none of this is calling for division it's not calling for division it's calling for what is the right way to do things what's the right way to use a flame we all use flames but fire is one of the most dangerous things in the world right but we all use it there's a right way to interact with everybody right and it can't be out of laziness uh you know just let's not have division Let's not be make things complicated. Let's remove all, you know, the provisions of how to deal with gas and fire. Just let people fix their own gas stoves. Let people use fire the way they want, right? Let's just not, that's not how it works, right? That's just laziness. Well, they also, uh, there's another approach. They also do it because they might have some ulterior motive. <clears throat> you know, they may have a, an agenda or... That's true, that too. want you to say, okay, instead of spending time on this, yep. worry about what we're worrying about. For example, yeah. not to minimize or trivialize domestic violence, for example, mm-hmm. which is a, is a, it is a problem. Yeah. But to say that these other problems are, are you know, you worry about this or you're not worried about this, it's it's not either or, neither nor. It's but they exactly. They want you to spend your time on that instead because they have an ulterior motive. Like, we want you to channel your resources and time to this. Yeah. So it's a selfish position. That's a famous what aboutery where to minimize what you're doing and to negate it. But although we're not justified in negating what you're upset about, we just say, well, hold on. You're upset about that. What about this? And it, well, the hilarious thing is when the navigating differences thing came out on the LGBT, the, the, I was laughing how many people say, where are the ulama talking about climate change? <laughs> are you serious? Climate change? Is there, wh- show me, where am I going to be asked about climate change on the Yom Qiyamah, right? Climate change. Something that, yeah, I guess it's happening, right? But how do you want me to change my life? You want me to stop driving? You want me to start uh, wearing, I don't know what, what what am I going to do? What is there to call to action that is so necessary that 200 people have to get together? What objective call to action is there going to be? But for this thing, there is an objective call to action, right? Of educating what's halal and what's haram about sexuality. And about identity, all these things. I had to do a research paper on climate change. And, uh, you know, looking at these research articles and stuff, like a lot of people, what they do is uh, they blame, like, the common people. Like, oh, you're using plastic straws, you're doing this, you're doing that. Yeah. So when I looked at the statistics and stuff, like, because that's research and stuff, like, even if everyone were to adopt this, like, uh, you know, this lifestyle. Paper straw? No, no plastic, no this. Yeah. You know, less, uh, more recycling. Uh-huh. It barely makes a difference at all, like, in terms of climate change. Let me say, ask you something. When the paper straw is made, how is it transported to us? 
is not a huge truck releasing all this smoke. The, the straw thing to me is the biggest gimmick of all. Yeah, On yeah. top of that, I saw a picture of someone who ordered plastic straws and it came in a plastic yeah. wrap. <laughs> okay. So, oh my gosh. Like all of this climate change stuff, it's the big companies, it's the government. Like these are the people that are real, like the real culprits. This is the big culprits. Yeah. So the only way we can do anything is like, all right, if you want to protest and change stuff, like yeah. from them, like besides yeah, that. Exactly. It's 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 those people who are the big. The, your average teenager, your average family is not involved in any way whatsoever. Is not significant in destroying the environment. Okay, it's it's huge companies, nations. China has no regulations on this stuff. Last I heard, they're the biggest, you know, uh, destroyers of the climate. Yeah. So the only way to do it is pushing government and yeah companies, uh, you know, officials. And some some things also. Really, if you want to do this, you know. It's some things are so, um, they're, they're so problematic because they result from the source of the problem is a 0.0001% harm, right? That enters into everyone's way of life in such a manner that it is literally impossible to change. So let's say auto emissions, right? Plane emissions, truck emissions, Okay. And let's say the factories that make, I don't know what, plastic or something, right? Or oil refineries. Can, can, can anyone live for half a day without any of these things? No. So if everyone that uses any of these things contribute, all right, 0.0001%, okay? But it's all of us together doing it, yet simultaneously, absolutely nobody can stop doing these things. Right? Who's going to stop driving a car? Who's going to stop um, refining oil? Who's going to stop making plastic in a factory? Who's going to stop taking planes? So you're stuck with it. That's the reality of those problems. Like there's no real way to, it's going to take a long, it, there could be, but it's going to take a long time. You get all the cars on EV, how long is that going to take? Do it, right? But how long is it going to take to be an electric? Everyone's got electric, 10 years, 20 years, right? Yeah, it's the boat you're in, right? So, okay, so we get all of us. So what about next? Is there going to be an electric plane? I don't How much power would it need to transport people, right? Without, without. so it's going to take a long time, maybe a hundred years, right? Until we realize that the solution is producing a different problem, right? All the, you know, that's going to happen. That's the nature of life. So the solution to that that problem is going to be the source of another problem. But I mean, forget that for now. Let's just solve this problem for now. But that's the nature of these things where I found it hilarious that those comments, well, what about the environment? Okay, fine, the environment is a thing. But is it close to sexual morality in the world? Right? Is it even close for as a religion? It's also uh, a very uh, materialistic, secular point yeah. of view because... If you have a body, why does it matter if your soul is there? Yeah. So if you're talking about saving the soul, mm -hmm. which is what yep. that was about, yeah. versus saving the body. What is the value of a very healthy person and uh, wonderful heir if his soul is dead? Right? So there are priorities. 
All right. You could talk about it here, but have no time to release a document on it. That's the point. What is the value of the document, though? What is the call to action of the document? What is what is it clarifying? No Muslim, no one has ever accused Muslims of not having concern for the environment. Or like, where's the contradiction that requires a statement? That's my point, right? Like what are, and what, whereas the, the sexual rev revolution thing or the sexual uh, deviance thing, yeah, the society's going this way, dragging Muslims with it. So we have to make a statement. Like there's no conflict. Like anyone who speaks good about the environment, no Muslim will disagree on it. It's good. We agree with that. We agree with eco-friendly everything. Even if I'm just going to do my 0.001%, I'll do my, I'll do that, right? So there is no conflict. There is no real reason to issue an argument, uh, a statement on that, right? In any event, if they did, I'll sign it. I'll sign it. Draft an eco-friendly uh, thing and I'll sign it. But point being is we were talking about the liberals and the progressives. That's the, the fitten. And he says here that the foundation of the spiritual path is to lead, is to be far away from innovations in doctrine because that's almost like a bug in your GPS. That's like downloading a virus into your GPS. And I'm driving a car now and all these cars are now like computers. I cannot afford to have a virus, you know, on my GPS or else my whole computer, I turn the heat up, it gets colder. I turn the air condition on, it's going to get hotter. I cannot afford to have a virus in 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 my in my car. Okay. And he says it's also uh shiuch, if you are a teacher of knowledge, aggrandize your mistakes. The teacher sh the shiuch should not make mistakes. I mean of course they're going to make mistakes, but in their preaching, in their public behavior, they cannot commit sins. Because now there will be a dissociation of words and speech. And that dissociation is always a problem. Okay. And then he says, however, with everybody else that you see, you have to look down away from their mistakes and make excuses for them. You see a regular person committing some sins, make an excuse for him. You see someone lose, going off the handle, make an excuse for him. If someone honks at you like crazy, make an excuse. Someone speeds past you, make an excuse. Do you ever notice that someone who speeds past you and cuts through the lanes, we always try to look at, imagine them to be, oh, some, some youth who's being wild on the street. Do you ever think maybe that guy, his wife is, you know, in labor, right? Maybe he's late to a funeral that he can't afford to be late to. Maybe he's like overslept the day before because he worked so hard and now he could be fired. Husnul on the road too. The simple things, the basics. slash wird. Everyone should be on a wird. And leaving off, all right, the ruchas. Okay. What is a ruchsa? There's two types of ruchsa in the sharia. There is a ruchsa that uh, is a sunnah, like shortening the prayer or combining the prayers in some madhabs. But it's always a sunnah. However, there is a rukhsa that is better for you not to take, such as breaking the fast while traveling. 
Allah says in the Quran, لكم, To break the fast while traveling is a rukhsa, but it's better not to. Okay? So, um, and that's, I don't even think that that's what he's talking about here. Because even the Prophet and the Sahaba did it. So that's not real. The rukhsa, what he means here is the fatawa. Right? Fatawa that it's speculative. That's a rukhsa. Okay? A rukhsa is like a fatwa someone gave that's speculative in nature. Right? So, to avoid that. To avoid those those things. In other words, to try as much as you can to go by the book. So that, why? When you go by the book, the dominant opinion of any school of thought, of fiqh, right, is that uh, it's, it's absolutely certain to be correct. Valid, I should say. It's valid. Why? Because so many scholars affirmed it, stamped it. So when you go back to Allah, why did you do this? Well, all the shiuch said this is the truth, right? They know better than me. But if it's a one-person fatwa, why did you do this? Because one person said it's okay. Uh, that's now, all of a sudden, uh, did not Allah say, right? Don't stand upon, don't take a position on what you are not certain about. Ilm here means certainty. Okay, yaqeen. Ilm, knowledge in the Quran refers to certainty because there are speculative facts or speculative claims and there are absolute facts. Right. Uh, speculative. What's an example of speculative? Probably like the distance between the Earth and the Sun. What's absolute? That the Sun rises from the east and sets in the west. Like no one's going to disagree on that, right? But if you tell me that the Sun is X amount of miles from the Earth, uh, you know who knows about that? Maybe some scholars have, scientists have calculated it, but I'm sure their calculation is give or take a hundred, couple hundred million miles, right? Yeah, like 92 million mi- light years or miles? miles? Miles. Okay, so it's 92 or is it 90? Or is it 92 and a half? Who knows? It's speculative claim. This doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means the weight you would put on it. Uh, you wouldn't like take a bullet, right? You know what I mean? Like if someone says a gun to your head. No, no, no. Not for a speculative fact. Certain fact, yes. Okay, for a certain fact, 100%. What is the drama going on in this chat today? Because of the environment, is is no, that so much of a of a thing? So, go ahead, take your mic. So, with respect to the layperson, uh, when they're trying to find uh, the correct opinion approach, are yeah. you saying that on the day of judgment, if a layperson, because I've heard this before, maybe I'm mistaken, I've heard them say that okay, if I'm a layperson and I follow a scholar, I'm completely absolved of any uh, error on the scholar's part because the scholar made the decision. And I'm just following the scholar's lead. So, number one, is that true? And then number two, is the layperson obligated to ask for multiple opinions, one opinion, what have you, as far as that's concerned? Good question. A regular common Muslim uh, is responsible for selecting the person he asks. And all that the regular common Muslim can do is what he knows on what is necessarily known in religion. Not everything in the religion requires scholarship. God is one, Muhammad is the prophet, salah, honesty, sincerity. Not everything requires scholarship. So in logic, this, they call this ilm daruri. Knowledge that everyone knows. Yeah. 
This knowledge, you use it to make a judgment of the imam in front of me. Okay, based on this knowledge that I do know, that every Muslim knows that, I didn't need to study this, just by being alive and around, I know this. Okay? He acts upon it. He knows his stuff. He looks sincere to me. Uh, reviews, right? All my other family and friends respect him. So I'm going to scope him out for a little bit. Six months later, I think he's the real deal. Now, I ask him for a fatwa. I ask him, Sheikh, this is what's happening. Can I break my fast or not? He says, yes, you can break your fast. Okay. And I'm not responsible now if he's wrong. I'm responsible for my assessment of his uprightness as a scholar. Okay. If I was to go, for example, in the world, in, in the, in world, in the worldly matters of life, investigate a doctor, then suggest that doctor or, or hire that doctor for my son. And that doctor makes a mistake. Who has harmed my son, me or the doctor? I'm innocent, right? I selected a valid doctor. He screwed up. He's the one who gets sued. Not, I don't get um, whatever they call it for parents, like negligence, um, harmful negligence or criminal negligence. No, he screwed up, not me. Likewise, if you put the right effort to choose the right person, and you ask that person a ruling in Islam, and it turns out to be wrong, you are not sinful. But here's the problem. You may suffer from some of the worldly consequences. Such as, he says, okay, yes, you, for you, it's halal to take the loan. Okay, so I don't have the sin. I, with a clean heart, am going to take the loan because the sheikh said it's halal. That doesn't mean I won't fall into great debt. So I'm, I'm absolved from the sinfulness of it, but not from the accuracy of it, right? The consequences of it. So he, someone, a scholar says, with, according to my knowledge and my ijtihad and my efforts, go and make the alliance with this political party. So I go make the alliance. Ten years later, I find myself in such a terrible situation. I say, oh, Allah, the sheikh said it's halal. Okay, you're not sinful, but you do have to pay the price. The consequences. You cannot possibly be absolved of the consequences. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he gave for any scholar who puts in effort, one reward if he's wrong. What is that reward? On the day of judgment. On the day of judgment. You did the right thing. You went and you asked. You are not sinful. You get the reward of asking and trying to do the right thing. As for uh, the scholar who gets it right, he gets two rewards. The reward of the afterlife and the reward of this life that the, res the, the correct ruling produces a positive result whereas for the the wrong ruling does not produce that positive you don't get that reward you may even suffer a little bit of the mistake that you made okay so like for example a lot of i'm sure a lot of scholars genuinely genuinely came to the conclusion that listening to instruments is all fine and halal so we say about them if they genuinely tried to go that route and make that fatwa, right? And said times change and there's musical instruments everywhere and it doesn't always uh, associate it with drinking and licentiousness, then it's halal. If the meanings are halal and the sound is nice and soft, it's halal. All right, so we say about you, okay, if he, the scholars and the people who followed them may not be sinful in the sight of Allah because they truly, sincerely tried to come to the right conclusion, but what's they, don't, they, they suffer something here. What is it? You have no hafaz. 
such communities will never ever produce huffad. And that's not something that is written in the Quran, but it's an observed reality. Go and find me a community. Find I've been saying this to many people. Go and find me, okay? Go and find me one community that has embraced music officially as a fatwa, as a ruling. They all listen to music and they have huffaz. Where is it? There's nothing, right? Show me that one community. Show me a community that allows guys and girls to go out, right? And show me the rate by which they successfully marry at a decent age and have regular families. It's not going to happen. It just will not happen, right? So that's where uh, the scholars who make a mistake, that's why they say, Zallatul Alim, Zallatul Alam. The error of a scholar is the error for the whole world, meaning that community. Because he, he sends that community on a trajectory that, yes, you may not be sinful in the sight of Allah, but you're going to hit a dead end. There's, there's not going to be any water there. So that's why the scholar, the sheikh here, is saying part of spirituality is doctrinal and juristic legal accuracy. Okay? That's why. And what exactly is the update on how wild this chat is going? Anam uh, Lodi is like, the comment section has gone facepalming, right? Oh, well, there was a random troll. Yeah, some random troll said some dumb stuff. Since we have so many uh, scholars or so many teachers online now, mm-hmm. uh, for the lay person who's trying to determine whether or not they should follow or not follow someone online, what is there a criteria that you recommend in determining whether or not that person is trustworthy? Because yep. they don't—they're not part of that community, but they may be taking, you know, classes online. They may be around that scholar virtually, yep. but not literally. Very good question. And if you know a certain number of principles, it's not difficult for for a person to navigate their way through online speakers and writers. It's not difficult. First thing. Speakers and writers who are, um, they interact with each other. Look first at their interaction with one another. So if I go to someone's Twitter page and he's always retweeting certain people, that's a sign that they agree, right? They're in line with each other. Look at, less so, but also equally so, look at posters. If there is an event and they publicly come together on the same platform, more often than not, they have a lot in common, okay? You want to be mindful in religion and in really anything of the outlier who has, who's not part of a scholarly community. Like if you were to go to a surgeon, wouldn't you want to know that that surgeon's always talking to other surgeons, right? I want to know that, I was like, oh, by the way, you're the third surgeon we saw. Who did you see before? Oh, uh, we saw surgeon so-and-so-and-so. Oh, they're my friends. That's good. It makes me feel comfortable that they're all talking because they help each other. They refine each other. They share knowledge with each other. Secondly, look at this chat. What is happening in this chat is reviews, right? They gave Abu Layth a bad review in this chat, okay? And I fully support this review. Plan C, he's an outlier. Outlier. Totally agree. And that's saying it not nicely. That's saying it nicely, okay? All right. Uh, okay. All these people talking about the this, um, you know, we're not even going to mention his name, 
But, oh, we already did mention his name. So about him, this uh, Abu Layth from Birmingham. And does he truly represent Maliki Fiqh? Does he truly represent the uh, Sunni Aqidah? Does he even represent any masjid? There's no masjid in Birmingham that says, here, come and lead our youth. Doesn't that raise eyebrows a little bit? If you're so good at leading youth online, wouldn't you be better and like more valuable in person? So reviews is another thing, right? And hundreds of thousands of people won't lie, right? So you got to look at what the other people in your shoes are saying and doing. And you get into a community. Now, when you your initial community that you link into may just be the first one you linked into or the one that invited you. So be measured, be measured, okay? Wait, allow a lot of information to enter your brain before you come into a conclusion. Many, many of us didn't have so many scholars and imams in our day. Your day, my day, you three of you may be younger, but in my, my day, you really literally may have less than five Islamic speakers exposure to five, like literally five. Three of them, let's say, alive in front of you in your community, two of them uh, through tapes, and one of, them, one of them through tapes and one of them through books. You didn't have many options. You latched on to like the first one, whatever you could. <coughs> then it's like luck of the draw at that point, right? But you wait and you learn and learn and learn and get to see the whole landscape. And, and what does the landscape benefit you? It benefits for me to know what is absolute in Islam and what's opinion. Okay. And of the matters of opinion, what's solid and shared by many scholars and what's only a rare opinion. Okay. So, but now I would say the problem is the opposite. Too many. There's too many, right? And so you got to be slow. Don't jump. Be slow. Let yourself gather a lot of data, a lot of information before you make a judgment. Then when you make a judgment, If you be certain, then rely upon Allah. Go. Once you arrive at a conclusion, there's no question in that conclusion because we, we concluded. Like when we sit at a table and we make a deal across the boardroom table, Right, and we shake hands and we sign. It's all, there's no looking at the contract again. Um, imagine this. Imagine you sign a contract that you have been thinking about for 18 months and negotiating for 18 months. The day the signing of the contract comes, we all go out to eat. We're all happy. You call that night and say, by the way, line five, item C. No, 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 no. We just spent 18 months. I'm not doing business with you. 18 months talking about this. Likewise, you as a regular Muslim, you're going to spend time, 6, 12, 18 months, observing, looking, getting an idea of what is the mainstream. Who, are, who is extreme, right? In order to have a middle, you have to have extremes, right? So what are the extremes on both? You can't have one extreme. There has to be the opposite extreme, right? Everything has opposite extremes. So you know the middle. After... Two years of this, you pretty much hone, and some people are quick. Some people are much quicker. They're, they're, they're brighter, they're smarter, they have more information, they read faster. So they may arrive at this conclusion in two, three months, right? You make your conclusion. Once you make your conclusion, khalas, right? Khalas. Make a strong conclusion and you stick with it. Now you, let's develop. 
I chose a GC. I chose an architectural plan. Let's build. Don't come now that you dug half the foundation. Hold on a second. No, let's go back. No, no, no. We're not doing this. So that's the importance, okay, of these things. You talk about this almost like an informal process. Or yeah. It's not like, say, the Catholic Church where it's so systematized that if there is a problem in that hierarchy, we all it's s- very difficult to pull that person out. Mm, so that's the beauty of Islam. So in Islam, we don't have that because obviously people will just slowly yeah. or quickly move away from that person. This is so the beauty of Islam. So it's not systematized where, you know, some people might say, oh, they're all part of the system. There is no system it's of no ulama. System. No. It's just that people go to the ones who have knowledge and... The other scholars will validate what they know and what they don't know and how yeah. they live their lives. There, there is no, there are four medhubs. There are no organizations. And uh, the, the, basis, uh, the basic idea of Islam is like this. The Prophet ﷺ preached publicly. And he said to the people, listen and go take it. Right? Listen and, 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 and spread it. Okay. All right, now what about matters that are either new matters or were not clear on purpose or were not even spoken about on purpose by Allah and his messenger? So now we need a valid, rational uh, methodology of making those conclusions. That's what a school of thought is. Why did you arrive at this analysis? All right, how did you arrive at this interpretation? Well, I'll tell you how. Boom, 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 boom. We call that methodology. Boom, 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 boom. Not whims, I felt it, I had a spiritual vision. No, none of the, uh, the Pope is, is God's uh, representative on the earth, whatever he says. No way, we don't have anything like that. Anybody who ever goes there and he says, I have a vision, right? On the, in the khutbah, that you all should do this, and the meaning of the Quran is this. If that madhab, if that masjid is any good, if there's any good in that method, someone's got to stand up and, and physically escort him off the member, right? If they're moderates and good, they will take him. Thank you very much. Shut the mic off. There's a switch. Shut the mic off. They escort him off, okay? If they're extreme, they beat him. And if they're the other extreme, they tolerate it. So those are the two extremes. We get up. We shut the mic off, Okay. And we escort you. You're misleading the people here. We have to stop it. We have to stop it, but we also have a law, and I don't want to be charged with assault. I, I want to beat him, but I can't. There are many things in Sharia I want to do, but I can't. Allah prohibited me to assault another Muslim for, for, for something like that. And the law of the land stops me from doing it. Yeah. 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 Good people. And Abu Bakr said something similar too. He, he said, if I say something wrong, stop me. So the, those are the extremes. And you have to stop people from when they're, when they're doing things that are wrong. And there is a common, there, what were we talking about? Like how to judge, right? So you got to observe, have a good sense of observation, and you will come to understand the middle, pretty sure. The names of... Any ulama, let's say someone wants to learn, I say, go listen to Rami Nasur. He doesn't have a lot online, but he has some stuff. Yasir Fahmi has a lot online. Celebrate Mercy is a great resource to learn about the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hamza Karamali, Asrar Rashid. Even like the, 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 the Instagram posts of Yasir Qadi, 
like his little clips, they're great, right? His like his his uh, his preaching is amazing. Um, these are some of the basic names that uh, organizations. If you want to read essays, go to Yaqeen's latest podcast with our friend Olive Garden. Yes, uh, Tom Imam Tom Ficini. Okay, go to him. Right, he's his his podcasts are amazing. Right. And he has articles now on, okay, he has articles now on Yaqeen that are great. I mean, everything that I've seen him write about was really solid. So it's references. References is the other way. And that's why scholars must reference others, and they must stay away from who they don't reference so they don't confuse their referencing. Part of a scholar's job is to clarify to listeners what other scholars are, are good to take from that is the reason for the prohibition of a scholar schmoozing with an innovator. You confuse everybody now. You're not allowed to schmooze with an innovator. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that's really nice about Safina's uh, ArcView program yeah. is that it's actually a reflection of that entire methodology you've talked about. Because when you look at the different courses you can take, mm-hmm. you have all the different madahab represented and all yeah. of the different uh, ways of looking at uh, Sharia, Usul, all the different principles involved with it. Mm-hmm. So it's not uh, a Maliki institution. It's not a Hanukkah yeah. institution. It's an institution that celebrates and actually highlights all those and leaves that up to the individual to gravitate to uh, whatever they so choose. And it's also not like a, a specific group. Like it's not like one uh, group that I studied with in you know, Morocco or something. No, it's like anyone who's teaching the truth and has a, uh, a senate to do so, a senate like a license to do so, we bring them on if, they, if, if it fits. So we have... Um, Shafis, Hanafis, we have the, 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 the Aqidah's teachers. One is from New Jersey, Palestinian from New Jersey. One is Pakistani from England, right? Uh, so arcview.org, start taking the call. What is the goal of Arcview? By taking Arcview little by little, whether live or pre-recorded, within, I believe, two years, you should be able to teach the fundamentals. Teach the fundamentals. So you should be able to take all the doctrine classes, the aqidah classes, and then the tajweed classes, and then one fit class. Right? If you, and, and then one tasawwuf class. If you do that, right, you, 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 for two years, if you do it for three years, you should be really solid. All right, listen to this. We're not going to finish today, but we'll do one more. Ishaq and Nahrajuri. Okay. He says, Ad-Dunya Bahar. This world is an ocean. Wal-Akhiratu Sahilun. And the afterlife is the beach, is the shore. Wal-Markabu huwa taqwa And the ship on the way is a taqwa There's no plug for Safina society, but here it is. <laughs> right? <laughs> the world is an ocean. The beach that we're going to is the afterlife. And in the middle, we're in a ship. A safina is a ship for those who don't realize that. It's Arabic for the word ship. Taqwa. And the people, okay, the people are the peop- are your journeymen on the ship. You get to choose who's, on, who, who's with you on the ship. If you have a massive journey to cross the, 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 Caribbean, the, the Atlantic Ocean, okay, that's a tough journey. Choose wisely who your friends are. You want friends that are disciplined, systematic, they following a principle, they're also going to the same destination. 
then you can successfully arrive at the next life. When is all this done? Okay? When is all this done? All of it is done like we're complete the moment someone buries us in the ground. We keep doing the same life, the same stuff, the moment someone buries. And when you bury your friend and you, you saw he lived his life by the deen and the sunnah and with tawbah and in masajid, he succeeded and you succeeded for helping him. Until they bury you like that, you succeeded, khalas. You We play until the clock says zero. That's it. We play until the clock says zero. That's it. We're not playing for a lead. We're not playing anything. We, we go until the clock says zero. So the job of Arcview, the role of Arcview, is for, for people outside the Jersey area don't have access to scholars. They need someone to guide them through step by step. This is how you do it, right? And, and with Arcview, you could take them live or pre-recorded, like on demand, the, the past courses, just take a certain amount every day or every other day, whatever your schedule allows, and you will, just mathematically, you will finish and you will complete, okay? All right, now listen up what else he said here. He also said, I saw a man in Tawaf. He had one eye, okay? Okay, he kept saying, I seek refuge in you from you. I seek refuge, uh, I seek protection from you with you. I said to him, what kind of dua is this? You seek protection from Allah. He says, I, One day I saw a person, okay, uh, and I found him to be beautiful. Excellent man. Suddenly something hit my eye and I became blind. Blood came streaming down. Then I heard, Looking, glancing at creation and viewing them as an independent creature. No human being is, is, is an independent, standalone creature. Nobody is anything except a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you see beauty in somebody, it is a creation of Allah. When you see excellence in somebody, okay, it is uh, a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. The best of states is that state that you have direct evidence for in the Sharia, in knowledge. All right, next up, Q&A. YouTube's gone nuts? Yeah. Climate change supporters of no, it wasn't climate change. It's something else. It was. Like, it all started after that conversation. Climate change. It, it people have like really strong views on it. No, it had nothing to do with climate change. It was, oh, okay. Just saying it was around that time. Mm. Um, what is ilham? Is inspiration? It could, and ilham is a divine inspiration that is that adds a wis a wise meaning to something. Okay, that explains something with wisdom or it is an inspiration to do one halal thing as opposed to another and shown that why one halal thing is better than another and ilham comes to a clean heart 
and it has to be measured by the Sharia because angels are not the only Allah and his angels are not the only one that inspire the heart. Allah has allowed the heart to have its own feelings based on its own knowledge. And Allah has allowed demons, devils to inspire our hearts and other humans to also get in our heads. That may seem like an inspiration. Okay. So, um, uh, that's essentially the meaning of ilham. And so you have to measure your ilham by where does it stand with the law? Okay. I have a question. If the Quran says Jews will return, why deny Israel the right to exist? Simple principle. Your assumption here is because that Allah allows something to happen that it is lawful. Not at all. Right? Allah also said people will murder other people. Should we not stop that? Allah says nations will oppress other nations. Should we stop? Should we allow that? Right? So they will return. Right? And it did not say lawfully or unlawfully. It says they will return. So they returned. How did they return? If they returned lawfully, no one would say anything. But they returned unlawfully. Right? So judgment of what to do about things is not based upon whether it merely happens. Right? Or that Allah told us it's going to happen. It's by the law. Did they return lawfully or unlawfully? Right? Simple answer. Okay. What is an appropriate response to non-Muslim co-workers when they convey festival greetings in countries like India? Take care. Sir. By the way, India and Canada are not off to a, a, a good year. You know that they have like diplomatic tie issues now. Yeah. Flights have been affected now. So there's issues now between Canada and India. Some kind of anti-India pundit in Canada was killed by Indian agents on Canadian soil. So it's a big fitna now that um, you can read about. Okay. Okay, the marriage of Aisha. Does it trigger people? Not at all. It's a wonderful thing that happened. Why would anybody be triggered? He was, right. uh, that's, that's why the argument yeah, that's happened. The whole thing on mm. He asked the question, and like after that, what answer. what exactly is wrong about what, why is it even an issue? He's a prophet of God. If God told him marry someone who wasn't even born yet, it would be good, right? Ah, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, but I mean, truth is that um, no, it shouldn't. Why would it trigger anybody? Muslims have explained this so many times, and there's so many videos. Uh, I think yeah. it's better if you just watch a video on it instead yeah. of repeating a million times. There's a really good documentary on YouTube about the whole question itself. It's like an hour I, I would question who questions it. Exactly. Why would it be an issue? It is a prophet of God. Whatever God says is good, yeah. right? What God commands as a law, as a command to his messenger, is good. Whether or not you see it wrong is not. But in this world, it's good, right? Like, given the premise that he's a prophet, okay, Anything that God commands him to do is good, right? Allah says in the Quran something even greater. He says, if you are commanded to kill yourself, isn't there anything worse than that, right? Like the last thing any human would ever do is slit his throat, right? But if God commanded you to do it, it would be good, right? You would find goodness in it because whatever God commands, goodness rushes. Allah has created goodness. What is goodness? Benefit, wisdom, ease, relief, that's what goodness is. Allah created it. And he commanded to goodness 
dress and clothe and inspire and uh, uh, and breathe into every commandment that I made and pull yourself out of every prohibition that I made, right? So if, if God permits something today and prohibits it tomorrow, the goodness will leave it and evil will enter into it, okay? There is no scale that God has to observe of good and bad. What he creates and what he commands, when he commands something, goodness follows it and infuses itself in it. What's an example? God had permitted marriage to two sisters at one time. Moses married two sisters at one time. Okay? Isaac married two sisters at one time. Right? It was good. If God commanded his prophets to do that, it's good. He comes into our law and says now, it's forbidden for you. That means goodness has sucked out of it like a vacuum and, and harm has come into it. Evil, harm. Bad things, stress, difficulty, all that. How about this? Forget that. Why don't we even discuss that? The first creation, how did it happen? Did not siblings marry siblings? What did God forbid? Marriage to your twin. Salman S. says something good. Good is not static. It is a creation of Allah that goes wherever he commands it to. And it, it is commanded and inspired to go wherever he commanded things to be. Uh, to be done and to leave things that he forbid the first generation themselves married their sisters right but you can't marry your twin but you marry your sisters okay that was good it was very good it brought them relief it brought them happiness today if you then he prohibited it once he prohibited it the goodness left and the disgust entered in right so goodness relief benefit reward all the thing that we would categorize as good the description the qualities of good Imagine it, it's a thing, and it moves around in the world. Where does it move? If God made an obligation, it goes there. If he forbade it, it leaves it. Simple as that. Exactly. 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 You saw that. I, I, I wonder if that was an actual newspaper. It looked like an actual newspaper to me. Yeah. It actually was true that two gay lovers, an older guy and a younger guy, you know when they get, uh, that's disgust upon disgust. When it's like an old dude and a young, they realize they're, they're brothers. Right? But I thought to myself, hold on a second. That's disgusting, but in your world, why is that bad? What is your, obje- yeah, what is your objective morality? No one, they, they used to say, incest is bad because you're going to produce a sick child from that, right? Okay, well, what if two blind people, can they marry? A sick child will be born out of that, right? Most likely you'll be blind too. How about when, uh, if, 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 if one of them cannot give birth, they tie their tubes, for example, and the other one ties himself up. They can't have kids. Can a brother and sister do it now? How about... Uh, uh, two brothers. Two brothers. No child will ever come out of that, so why are you so disgusted? So you guys are walking in consistency, just like Nietzsche said. All right, let's see some other questions. Huh? Okay. Abdi Jamad, does it apply to evil? Yes, it does. Something Allah made, left it halal in the past, now makes it haram. The evil will enter into it now. Okay. And something that is merely halal, it's as if, Good and evil were told, don't go, leave them, leave it. 
it's neutral, right? It's neutral. The people in the past did everything at a young age. They matured fast. Of course they did. They matured way faster. Today, you can be 25 and you're immature. Why? The world's too complicated. The world is literally so complicated. A 25-year-old today may not have any ability to buy a home, right, for himself. He may not even have the credit to rent a home for himself, okay? And if someone needs to help him. In the past, what is it? A, a, a skin and a pole and a tent. That's it. You're 10 years old. You got your own home. This is only, even if you go back like 100, 200, uh, 200 years ago, this is how it was. Yep. This was the case. Yeah. Like if you look at, I was looking at uh, statistics on the age of consent. Yeah. I believe in the late 1800s, which is like what, 100 and something years ago? The age of consent in, I think it was Georgia, is, uh, was seven years old. Seven years old. Seven and years old. Of course, the states, that's like the federal, you know. Yeah. The states have their own uh, legislation and they can choose. So really, it's like, all right, if you're, uh, let's say you're, you're ancestors have been in this country for a while and you're arguing uh, arguing against the Prophet's marriage, then your great your grandfathers were even, you know, according oh, to of you course. ten times worse. Yeah, of course. All of your fam fa families and forefathers uh, had those kinds of young... Uh, even if you go back five years, because I think Japan is like... Just or the UK is 16, I believe, the age no, of consent. No, Japan is 13. It was, I think, 13. They, 13. They the, last year, they changed it recently. They changed it recently. 13, yeah. So... You know, according to you and your morality, your so-called objective morality of age of consent and what is pedophilia and all these things. Yep. According to you, the entire Japanese population <laughs> exactly. were pedophiles. Even if they weren't indulging yeah. in this, like they were still supporting it. State law. Where's the articles on that? Yeah. Shaz Rahman has gone crazy. He says, I give up. What is he giving up on? The question chosen are random. Where is the conversation going? Well, welcome to this Feenside Nothing But Facts live stream where... Uh, Yes, the questions, we'll just take them as they go. Uh, the, the sister said, what if someone greets me happy festival or festival greetings? Smile and say, likewise. That's it, I guess. It said that all the Turok go back to say night and say Nebuchadnezzar. Yes, it is said that. That is true. Is it Islamically justifiable, says Epic Suhaib, uh, Suhail Adib, is it Islamically justifiable within the framework of the Sharia for an Islamic government to legally enforce the wearing of modest clothing? It rationally, legally, yes. Practically, probably, maybe not. Just, it's just, there's too many people. What are you going to just start arresting everybody? It's too easy to break the... Uh, it's too easy for the people to just break the government. All right, a million people went out without it. What are you going to do? Arrest a million people? So legally, uh, yes. Rationally, of course it is. But practically, probably not. The yes. Yeah. Everyone's protesting right now because they want it to be like stylized or whatever. And they made one of the biggest rules like, oh, it has to be plain. Extremely modest, plain. Oh, uh, the, Sa the biggest deal out of it. The Saudi kingdom is, one, is cracking down on women who make hajj. But they're right yeah, yeah. that the ihram that the women who make hajj has to be in a certain way. But if you go to the Cardi B concerts that are there, don't worry about it. You're all good. No, there'll be no crackdowns on that. All right. Jeez. What's a particularly important topic for the generality of college age students to cover in a single event with a scholar? Um, the separation, the identification of scientism and the separation between 
scientific theory and fact and the relevance uh, and the, really the definition of scientism, which is that truth only comes through observable evidence and the establishment of transmitted knowledge. The concept of tawatur is that transmitted knowledge produces certain certainty, right? Very simply, scientism, prove to me scientifically Napoleon existed. Prove to me scientifically the Revolutionary War happened. Prove to me scientifically that the Duke of whatever was killed, right? And let's go back even further if you don't believe in that. Prove to me scientifically that the Crusades happened in the way that it's normally known, that the Europeans came down, picked the fight, won the first battle, and then they eventually were removed after about a century or so, less than a century. So transmitted knowledge and rational knowledge are sources. Reason and transmission are sources. Scientism is is a very important, um, or it's a major disease in the minds of people. It's a school of thought that has narrowed down what is acceptable to hold as a fact. It's a big problem. It's a huge problem, I think, uh, especially with the Muslim circles, because what you see today is this trend of uh, we believe in Islam because it has the scientific miracles. Uh, so exactly, what, that's what a problem too. Is you've put science at the top, mm-hmm. and you've put the Quran into fitting into yep. whatever the scientists are saying. So if it comes out one day that this scientific theory was wrong, then are you going to abandon the True. Quran? Like, True. So I think that whole narrative needs to be addressed. And basically, like epistemology, like you're saying, epistemology is, that's like the tool for everything else. 100%. If the college students know how to think and how to interpret yep. these things, like they'll deal with a lot of issues, I think. Yeah. Uh, we also have, like, when, how do we know anything is true? We only know them from three sources. Reason, observation, sensory perception, and transmission. What scientism does is it pushes away transmission and reason to be, like, they downgrade that and real knowledge is only through observed fact observed empirical knowledge the philosophers they they disregard that and transmission more or less and they uphold reason religious literalists uphold transmission and disregard reason and observation right that's religious literalists so religious literalists tend to be laughed at by by the scientists or scientism followers or philosophers and really at the end of the day you have to have a balance of all and the 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 height of everything is the quran which comes to us through transmission okay that's the the essentially for as a muslim that is the referee of everything the quran and the sunnah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam can you believe they explain explain the believers ru'ya of allah very simple uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to Imam Malik, will create a different type of eye which will perceive uh, the unseen. That's what Imam Malik says. Allah will create a different kind of eye for you that will perceive the unseen. And you will see Allah, He is not in a location, nor in a direction, nor is there a distance between us. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a just, He's not a physical form. Hence, He has no location, He has uh, no distance, He is not in a direction. Etc. And a simple explanation that the Mutakallimin have given for mm-hmm. this is that something, ex- uh, anything that's existent can be seen. That's like mm. a simple answer. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be like in a direction or anything. Anything that exists can be seen. Can be seen. Subhanallah. Uh, found soul. I heard this blessed month where our deeds are presented to the Prophet. 
it is said that our deeds are presented to the Prophet every week. And it is said immediately. And Allah knows best. But there are many hadiths that our deeds are presented to the Prophet They now debate in total as the ummah, like the, the, the aggregate of the ummah or individually. And the more likely answer is individually, by name. The deeds of Ali Chaudhry, this is what he did today. The deeds of Omar Abbasi, this is what he did. And he sees your role, your constant scroll, right? And if I, the Prophet said, if I see good, I thank Allah. If I see other than that, I seek forgiveness for you. SubhanAllah, the Prophet's always making du'a for us. Uh, Shaz Rahman, with respect, do you believe that like people that circumambulate the Kaaba, the galaxy is doing the same on a much bigger scale? The creation of Allah is one. We're circumambulating the sun. Our galaxy is probably circumambulating another galaxy. The atoms, the, the atoms, particles have a nucleus and the protons and neutrons are circ and the electron. What's in the middle? Oh, there's all protons, nucleon, neutron, neutrons, electrons. They're all circumambulating the nucleus. We human beings, okay? Our blood is circumambulating our body constantly, nonstop. Our moon is circumambulating the earth. And we are also, and our greatest act of worship is to circumambulate the Kaaba, okay? Because, because we're the creation that can or cannot choose to be in the orbit of Allah and be in line with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Muslim is in line with Allah's creation. And in fact, he's the greatest of the creation because he's doing it willfully. Whereas the moon, the earth, the sun, the protons, the neutrons, the electrons, all of that, that's how they're made, right? That's how they're made. The water is like the blood of the earth. If you think about it, it comes down goes into the water, into the lakes and the streams, gets used and benefits, and then evaporates up again into the air, then goes somewhere else, then comes down again, constantly nurturing, nourishing the earth like our body nourishes us, or our blood is nourishing us, constantly moving around, right? Uh, the creator, if you have a creator who, who has a theme, who is consistent, okay, his biggest creation and his smallest creation will have the same motif, the galaxy, the atom, same exact thing. If you stripped it down to a black and white image, you can't tell the difference. All you see is orbs revolving around one big orb, right? And that's, that's the motif of the creator. Hajj, we do the same exact thing. Before ever, any human being had seen an atom or had seen the galaxy. That shows us from Allah, right? Ibrahim, you can't say, oh, he was smart. He just mimicked. No, he didn't mimic. Prophet Ibrahim never saw an atom, never saw the galaxy. Only Allah told him to do that, right? At a time when people say, well, why would you do that, right? Why would you walk around in a circle like this? That's a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Now we know that we are perfectly in line with the, with the, with the universe and with the particles, like with the galaxies and with the smallest thing in the world that we, we can look at, the atoms and the particles. Subhanallah. So tawaf has a very deep meaning then. Like it's tawaf has a very, a deep, very meaning. deep meaning. We are now in an orbit, right? We have our oh, own orbit as human beings.
So good question there by Shah Rahman. Okay. Now I understand why he was exclamation pointing. Okay. Mehabi says, if a woman is postmenopausal and has a procedure that causes bleeding, is this considered istihada? No, it's not, because the books clearly state that blood caused by an external force is not treated as haid. So you are correct. It is istihada, not haid. She prays and fasts and does everything else. It's recommended for her to make wudu for every salah. The chat is wild today. Hasn't been like this for a while. Yep. Okay, what else we got here? What is shown to the Prophet? Our deeds or our salawats? Again, this is from the matters that is differed upon. Some say the salawat is shown right away. And the deeds are shown right away. And others said, no, it is shown only once a week. But it is agreed, it is not just the salawat, it is the deeds. What should I focus on more? Sunnah prayers or, salaw- or salawat? Uh, so some sunnah you should never leave off. Like what? The two before Fajr? Shaf and Witr? Tahiyyatul Masjid? Eid? You never leave those off, of course, right? But what you... Uh, uh, two rakahs of tahajjud, at least. If you if you wake up for tahajjud, you two rakahs. There's no value of waking up for tahajjud, but not praying. If you wake up before Fajr, like 30, 40 minutes before Fajr, you pray tahajjud. At least two rakahs. Then you could do salat. And even better than that is knowledge and memorization of Quran, right? And then, so divide it up. Some salawat, some tahajjud, some salawat, some fiqh, some hifd. Yes, Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but you, in a sense, shouldn't pray tahajjud if you haven't done all the fard obligations. Of course, of course. If you haven't done your fard obligations, if you have, if you owe prayers, you don't do any sunan. Mm-hmm. You just make up prayers. Uh, we have a scientist in the room here. Hassan Ahmed is saying only the electrons make tawaf around the nucleus. Thank you very much. So what do the protons do? Okay. They guess I, the proton just stabilizes, I guess. Now, what's the most powerful of the electrons? The one that's closest to the nucleus has a lot more power to it. Can you explain the difference when reciting salawat of salli ala wa sallim wa barik? Good question by Rani. As-salah is a word that gathers all of the meanings of goodness. As-salam is specific to tranquility and peace and wholeness and protection from harm. Al-Baraka refers to increase, increase of everything good. The word Baraka refers to increasing. Okay, If you say Salli, that's a command state. You say Sallim. If you say Salla, past tense, you say Sallam, past tense. Okay. Can we call Mawlid A'id? A'id is anything that comes around to us and we celebrate it. And yes, the ulama call it A'id. Uh, but when the Prophet ﷺ said, there are only, we only have two Eids, meaning two Eids that are Sunnah. Right? As for any other Eid that you want to celebrate, that is for your own celebration, meaning an annual thing that you do. An annual family reunion, an annual, I don't know, conference, Islamic conference that you want to do. Right? Or something like that, that's up for you to do, but we cannot say... It is sunnah, 
right? It's just your action. And if the deeds are good, it's good. If they're not, you're sinful. Now there's ikhtilaf amongst the scientists here because Luqman Rashid said, no, electrons are not circulating. Isn't this an easy Google search? They're in superposition. They occupy all the space around the atom at the same time. Type, why don't we Google it and see? I'm, I'm now asked acting scientifically like we tell people not to act Islamically. Google it. But in this, it's fine because there's no heaven and hell on, uh, on knowing about atoms. Listen to this. Here is the fatwa. In real atoms, electrons do not revolve around the nucleus. Instead, they occupy... Oh, go back. Sorry. They occupy regions of probability called atomic orbitals. The electron is not located at any precise spot within the orbital. Instead, its existence is sort of smeared out. I don't like this fatwa at all. Uh, they rotating, right? That's what they taught us in school. Huh? I don't like the fatwa. Okay. <laughs> I'm not bound by it. Find me a fatwa that says what I'm saying. Who's the Sheikh's teacher, first of all? Quora.com. I'm not listening to that. Get me another fatwa. Uh, anybody could give that fatwa. Give me... Go, go, go there, there. That looks good. Physics.com. There. Physics.com. That's got to have the right answer. Right? What does he say? Why do electrons revolve around... The, stop right there. Okay. This is the answer down here. Where's the answer? What does it say? That's the question. Okay. Where's the answer? Let's see, it should be this one, two answers. Okay. The electron has orbital energy, but it doesn't constantly need more energy to keep going around. So they're saying it's going around. Okay. In short... They're presupposing that it does. Yeah, they're presupposing that it does. Electrical act attraction to the nucleus is what keeps the electron in orbit. Yeah, I like this fuzz. So like attraction from the nucleus is what keeps it moving. So it is. Yeah, is like they're presupposing that. Uh, they're presupposing that it is in Bohr's in the Bohr model. I've heard that name before, so I think he's a reliable source. The, I'll go back to that real quick. Yeah, let's read the Bohr model. In the Bohr model, the electron don't move at a distance from the proton has a potential energy. Blah blah blah. Okay. So I'm gonna go with the old school model. Okay. We're going with let's go with the old school model, guys. Yeah, let's go back to um, Luqman Rashid. Can you revise your fatwa for me, please? And see what you say, because I like the old model. Okay. Go back to the metal. Yeah. Okay. What do you say? Yeah, I, I go back to the... Is this our man from Philly? Electrons are in orbit, just that their location is determined by probability. It's not a linear orbit, but spherical. So I like this. That they're in orbit is qat'i. The location of their position in the orbit is dhanni. There we go. Kalami de definition here. Very good, very good, Atik Rahman. And he is the man from Philly. So we'll see you, start, see you tonight. No, tomorrow night. The big, the big gathering at MBIC tomorrow night. They, Luqman Rashid also addended his thing. He said, they depict it as an orbit for easier understanding. So they are moving, but their location is, is not static. Like humans, right? 
human being is never in a perfect, like in Tawaf, you're never perfectly going in a circle. You're moving in out a little bit, then you move in a little bit, you slow down maybe, then you speed up maybe. So it's a more of a natural and organic orbiting. Okay, so again, the orbiting is qat'i, which means it's absolutely certain, but the location in the orbit is dhanni, is unknown. It's, it's up for, for change. Okay. What is an appropriate response, says Nabil, to non-Muslim co-workers when they convey festival greetings? Oh, we answered this. We said, I think you can say same to you, right? You can always say that. Or you can say, thank you. I hope you have a good weekend, right? Thank you. Well, he's trying to say something good to you, so thank you. You can't make any harm to say thank you. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have gone deep. We have gone into many, many rabbit holes today. Physics, chemistry, fatawa, physics.com. Is it physics.com or physics. Like, what is it? Substack.com or whatever? Houston's Jamiatul Medina first batch graduated one month ago. MashaAllah for them. You went to the event. MashaAllah. I saw the picture. MashaAllah. We'll see them all soon. Agnes Maverick says the universe was born out of a tiny particle which had two opposite poles. The particle produced an atom in this way. Matter came into being. Then matter diversified. Quote. And it's attributed to Jafar al-Sadiq. Interesting. What should a new Muslim do step by step when they embrace Islam? Uh, the first thing they should do is to start identifying good Muslims to hang around with and keep their company. Okay. That's the first thing. Secondly, um, is to learn how to pray and to read a biography of the Prophet or listen to a biography of the Prophet. And we have that at nbic.org slash convert nbic.org slash convert. We have a good playlist on how to pray, biography of the prophet, other convert stories that feel that you are, uh, you know, um, not alone in this. Okay. So last thing is that we had a guest, by the way. We had a guest. Two guests. Are we spilling the beans? No. We're just telling them we had guests. And that video will be released soon. Okay. Now listen to this. There are 126 people here. I want everyone to go to launchgood.org and help the youth go to Umrah slash Umrah for youth. Umrah with no H. If everyone gives a buck, just one dollar. Okay. Right. Just give a dollar. That's all I'm asking for the youth. I'm not benefiting from this. Is it dot com or org? Dot com. Launchgood.com slash Umrah. Okay. Launchgood.com slash Umrah for youth. Help the youth go to Umrah. It's expensive for people, so we want to make it cheap for them. And we are now at... And, and by the way, there are some people on Instagram too. We're now at 7,864. If everyone does this, we'll be at 8,000. Just two bucks. One buck. Buck 50. Okay. 
We will hit. Just give us a dollar. Okay? Alms for the poor. All right, just give us a buck. Draw a nur. Let's go. How do we understand contagious disease? Says Luqman Rashid. As the scientists understand it, when the Prophet says there's no contagion, he means it does, it's not outside the qadr of Allah. It is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is not something that should paralyze the human being. Right? Kenneth Leachman, I really appreciate that. Okay, we need to hit 8,000. And I will give you a hint about the speakers. If we hit 8,000 by the end of Dra and Nur, I will give you a hint about the speakers. Okay? How many do we have to go? Huh? How much uh, till 8,000? Only very little. Very little. Only um, 86 well, bucks. You guys can do that. They're easy. 50 cents per person. Uh, stick put up Dra and Nur, inshallah. Almost there. 74. We went from 14 to 74. 7,974. Refresh. Still there. All right, let's read Dua Nur. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma jalli nuran fi qalbi wa nuran fi qabri wa nuran fi sam'i wa nuran fi basari ونور في شعري ونور في بشري ونور في لحمي ونور في دمي ونور في عظامي ونور في عصبي ونور من بين يدي ونور من خلفي ونور عن يميني ونور عن شمالي ونور من فوقي ونور من تحتي اللهم زدني نورا وأعطني نورا واجعلني نورا وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وسلم 7977 23 short no hint subhanakallahumma إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Shiva, Shiva,